Welcome to this message from the teaching ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Orlando, Florida, under the leadership of Senior Pastor Mike Osborne. Well, I'm going to be reading us the passage this morning. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. It's on page 73 in the Bible's or in the chairs in front of you, underneath the chair in front of you, page 73, Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to be reading all 17 verses. So let me, let me read that now. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your manservant or maidservant nor your animals nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Lord, as we look into your word and look at these commandments, I pray that uh, we won't look at these commandments and say, you know what, I've conquered these, I've done these, I've checked it off my list. But instead that we'll look at it and learn from our sin and learn from our mistakes and may it draw us closer to you, Jesus, because not one of us in this room has faithfully kept all of these commands. We've all fallen short of the glory of God and that's what uh, the gospel is all about, the good news of Jesus, that uh, you lived a perfect life on our behalf, and you die the death for us. So thank you for that, and may you speak to us now as we look into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're continuing the sermon series on the Ten Commandments, and before I address the Fifth Commandment to honor your father and mother, I'd like for us to be reminded on how we are to approach the law. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 3, beginning with verse 20. It's on page 1114, 1114. Romans chapter 3. Beginning with verse 20, Paul says this, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in his God's sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law we become conscious of sin. But now a righteousness from God apart from law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Now, there's a lot of information in these verses here that Paul gives us, but there's really two main things I want to focus on 
as we approach the law. The first is when we look at the law, the Ten Commandments, as I just prayed a minute ago, we don't want you to leave here feeling like I've checked this off my list. I'm good to go. I have honored my father and mother. And so I don't even need to consider that law. No, because the reality is we've all fallen short. We have all dishonored our parents in some form or fashion, in some way. For example, we could easily have talked bad about our parents to some of our friends and said, I can't believe my parents did this. And we could talk negative about our parents behind their back. We could curse them silently. We could challenge them disrespectfully and argue with them back and forth and raise our voices and show them dishonor. And so all of us in this room have, have broken this commandment. But the other thing about this passage that I read in Romans 3 is the reality of the good news of Jesus. And we talk about it every single week, this gospel, good news of Jesus, that despite our wrongdoings and despite our sin and how we have dishonored our parents and broken the law, Jesus honored his parents and he kept it perfectly. And not only did he keep it perfectly, but he put all of our sins on the cross because something, a price had to be paid for our sins. And so that price was the life of Jesus and the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross. And so that's the amazing grace, the reality of Christianity, the reality of the Bible that we read, the reality of the good news of Jesus, that where we have failed, Jesus has succeeded. And not only that, he gives us the Holy Spirit who is inside of us and within us to help us move forward in faith and move forward with confidence. So that's the reality here of Romans 3. The other part of Romans 3 is that when we approach the law, we don't need to see the law as something bad. You know, so often I hear people say, well, the law is bad and gospel is good. No, the law is good too. The law is actually not there to harm us. It's there to help us. It's there to help us be drawn closer to Jesus. Because in order to see the good news of Jesus Christ, we have to know the bad news. And so when we look at the law, it's there to help us to be conscious of our sin. So the law is not a bad thing. It's there to help us. And so that's the reality here. Now, as we look into this commandment of the fifth commandment, I want to bring us back to the other four. Mike and Matt have preached on the first four commandments. And those first four commandments are designed to talk about our duty towards God. In other words, it's a vertical relationship. So those first four commandments are really on one side of the commandments. You always view the commandments of two tablets. And I've heard through different commentaries that on one tablet you had the commandments for our duty towards God. And on the other side you have the other six, the commandments for our duty towards our neighbor. So we're now starting to talk about the commandments towards our neighbor, a horizontal relationship, and our duty towards our brother and sister in Christ and our mother and fathers and those who are in authority. And so today as we look at the fifth commandment of honoring our father and mother, I'm going to be doing three things. First, I'm going to talk about the command itself. Then I'm going to talk about how we apply it in our lives. And then we'll look into the promise that God gives us in this fifth commandment. So let's dive right in. Now, as we look at the command of honor your father and mother, we have to first look at the word honor. And the word honor means, uh, in Hebrew, it means kaved. And kaved means weighty, heavy, of great importance. In other words, when we view those in authority, our parents or anybody who is in our authority, we need to view them as God-given authority. We need to view them as a dignified person of God and treat them as if they are worth something of great value and great dignity. John Calvin says the word honor really includes three things. It first includes uh, how we are to to submit or or to obey. Uh, Second is reverence. And third is gratitude. And so let's actually first look at reverence. He first says when we look at honor, we need to revere those who are above us, revere our parents and, and humbly respect them. And that's not always easy to do. When I was in high school, 
uh, I had just graduated and I was going off to college. And before I went to college, it was that summer before I, I moved. And I was already 18. And my parents had this rule where I had to be in during the weekday at 10 o'clock and I had to be gone or I had to be home by 10. And on weekends, I had to be home by midnight. And my dad, he has this deep radio voice and he used to say, Seth, there's nothing good that happens after midnight. <laughs> and I would say, excuse me? <laughs> and then I would try to, ar- I, I try to reason with him and I would argue with him and say, Dad, I'm 18 years old. I just graduated high school. I'm almost out of the home. Just let me be. Let me, all my friends are out till one or two. Let me stay out till one or two. And then I would always say, Dad, if I really wanted to do those bad things, I could do them at 11 or at 10. And I would try to rationalize my way out and try to reason my way out. And then he would say, well, Seth, you're the youngest of four. And he would say, the other three we never made exceptions to, so we're not making an exception for you either. And so I'd say, okay, yes, sir. But, but I was very frustrated. And what I did was, after we had these disagreements, I was very mad. And I would go and talk to my friends, and I would badmouth my parents. And I would say, can you believe my parents would not, would not help me and, and not let me stay out to one? He wouldn't even let me stay 10 minutes after midnight. Like, can you believe it? I'm 18 years old. I can vote. I'm old enough to vote. And I would, I would just make all these excuses and I would be so angry and talk to my friends about it. But what I was doing was I was disrespecting them. I wasn't revering them because I was talking negative about them to my friends when they weren't even around. And so I learned a valuable lesson. This week, really, as I was talking, as I was studying this, I realized, man, there are so many ways I dishonored my parents. So I wasn't revering them. The second thing I would say about honor is that of obedience when we are to obey our parents, especially if we're under their roof. You know, if they told me, here's the curfew. I should, instead of disagreeing and, and arguing and raising my voice and talking bad about them, I should have just said, you know what? I disagree with you, but I will obey because you have my best interests at heart. And even though I disagree here, I won't talk negative about you. It was really, I should have, I should have taken that approach to obey them. Now, there are times as we get older and get out of the house, for example, where we don't necessarily have to obey our parents. And let me explain. The first is in Scripture in Genesis... And you all have heard this passage. It says, when, when, a, when a man leaves his father and mother, he becomes united to his wife and the two become one flesh. And so let's say you, your spouse and your parents got in a big disagreement. I would always encourage you to hear both sides, of course, but really stick up for your spouse. You know, you have become one with your spouse. And sometimes that may mean you disagree with your parents. You still, though, if you disagree with them, you still need to show respect and treat them as a dignified image of God because it's not always easy. The other thing I would say, the other exception to obedience is that if you have a non-believing parent. And I know many of you in this room who have non-believing parents. And sometimes these parents may ask you to do something that is contrary to God's word. If they're asking you to do something contrary to his word, then don't do it. Because our allegiance is to this word. Our loyalty is to God our Father first, even before any authority. And so that, that even includes if our government officials started telling us to worship Buddha. We don't do it because we worship the one true God. And so those are two exceptions we, I would say. But overall, honoring does mean obedience, to obey, as I told the children today. And that's, that's really what it means in many ways. The third thing I would say is gratitude. And what I mean by that is there's a, the Greek word for gratitude in this meaning, this context in Ephesians 6. Uh, Paul is really saying to render financial value. And in 1 Timothy chapter 5, it describes how we are to take care of our parents financially as they are older. In their elder years. I know many of you here who have either had your parents move in with you or you support them. They may move here and, and stay at a nursing home and you're helping them out. 
You might even be contacting them every day and following up with them via Skype or phone or email. Even if they're across country, you're following up with them. That's how you are to honor your parents and to show gratitude. I mentioned earlier to the children about changing diapers. Well, two days ago, you know, I'm a parent and Abby's almost one. And two days ago, I changed the most horrific diaper I've ever smelled. (laughs) It was terrible. It was really bad. I won't go into more detail bore you with details, but it was really bad. I mean, I, I almost, I was gagging. Um, but anyway, as I was changing this diaper, I couldn't help but think about my parents and how they changed many of my dirty diapers. I kept thinking, I bet my diapers were even worse than Abby's because Abby's a sweet little angel. You know, I bet mine were nasty. But, but here I was thinking about how my diapers were bad. My parents were changing my diapers. They, f- they fed me when I was helpless. They clothed me. They gave me shelter. They, they met all of my, my needs and so I go back, and to this day now, I'm thanking, thankful for them even more. Just say, Mom and Dad, thank you for changing my dirty diapers. Thank you for clothing me. Thank you for feeding me. And so a lot of this idea of showing gratitude is what honor is about, where we are to thank them not only financially, but also thank them for what they have done. Uh, Tim Keller said in a sermon that your parents really like to see themselves in you. They like to see themselves in you. So anytime you can tell them thank you, they really appreciate that. They really appreciate that and, and, and just love that. Now, when we look at the commandment, honor doesn't mean the following. It doesn't mean that you have to trust your parents. Because let's face it, some parents are untrustworthy. Sometimes parents don't give us the greatest advice. Sometimes they don't even think through the counsel they give us. And so the commandment doesn't tell us to trust your parents because some parents are untrustworthy. But it still tells us to hold them of high esteem and respect and value them. The other thing it doesn't say, it doesn't say you're supposed to like your parents because some parents just, let's face it, they, they aren't enjoyable to be around. Uh, you may not necessarily like them. Uh, it doesn't say to like them because some parents are evil and they're, they're rude and ruthless to you. Uh, it also doesn't say you are to admire your parents. You know, the command is not admire your parents because some parents we don't admire. But we're still called to humbly respect them. And even if we disagree, we do it in a lower tone and we don't speak negative about them. So often in the church, and I have done this time and time and time again, I talk to my small group or I talk to my friends and I say, you know, my, my, my dad, he, he was this, or, or my mom was this, and they just missed the mark. And I would always talk, I, I would, not always, but I would talk negative about them. And sometimes it's, I'm not saying it's bad to address the negativity. It's, it's okay to look at the good and bad. But when you just start going and telling everybody about your parents' faults, do my parents really want me to tell everybody that? Probably not. Am I I honoring them by doing that? No, I'm not. And so I would encourage you, if if there are bad things about your parents, to confront them and and, and first go to the Lord about it and not immediately go to your your life group friends or or your other friends, even some of your family members, because we all fall short on that. I know I do. But honor is ultimately as I said, of great importance, to value the person and treat them with the utmost respect. Now, how do we apply this in our life today? What do we do? I've already talked to the children, but I would also say children, when you address your parent or when parents are asking you to do something, you, you do it, and you also show good manners. So instead of eating with your mouth open and talking with food in your mouth, you don't do it. You, you show good manners. That would be something I would tell the children. Now, for you teenagers in the room, how you are to honor your parents is you, you listen to them. And you, if you do argue and, and, or disagree with them, you do it respectfully. You don't yell at them. And you just say, you know what? 
I may disagree, but I'm going to humbly submit to your authority. And do that in a loving way. Another thing I would say is don't talk to your parents like you would your friends. When I was in high school, I used to joke around with all my guy friends. We were so sarcastic with one another. If I had talked to my dad like I did my friends, I would have been grounded for six months. And so don't talk to your parents like you would your friends in many ways. And also be careful on what you say to your friends about your parents. Like I gave you that example earlier. It's so easy to say, I can't believe mom and dad made me do this. I can't believe they're stupid rules. You know, but instead just humbly submit. Don't say a word at all if it's negative. That's what I would encourage you to do as teenagers. Now, as young adults, I always talk to college students and and often I hear the response is kind of funny. They say, I'm amazed with how my parents have matured over the years. <laughs> and obviously it's not the case. We've matured over the years. But as young adults, as I mentioned earlier, your parents like to see themselves in you. And so I would encourage you to tell your parents, Mom and Dad, now that I'm out of the home, thank you for, for setting these rules on me. Thank you for doing these things. Thank you for giving me this advice that I'll never forget. Because I, I just think your parents really appreciate that. And not only that, but you begin to appreciate it. The older you get, the, realize, the more you realize, well, my parents weren't stupid after all. I understood now why there were restrictions here. And then, of course, for the adults in the room, Proverbs 23, 20, 22 says this. It says, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. In other words, take care of your parents as they're aging. And I am so encouraged by many of you who are doing that, doing that today. You're, you're humbly submitting to their authority still today and you're... And you're helping them. You're encouraging them in their latter years. Now, all of us in this room, when we, are, when we look at this topic of honor, we are to forgive our parents. And this is probably the hardest thing for us. Because some of our parents are just ruthless. And they have unrealist, unrealistic expectations of us. They're rude to us. And they're just so hard to forgive. But God calls us to forgive 70 times 7. Despite their sin, despite how they treat us, we are still called to forgive them. You see, we are all looking for unconditional love. And most of us are looking for it from our parents. We're we're seeking that unconditional love from our parents. And let's face it, we're never going to get it completely. But the the reality of the good news is that we have a father that we sang about earlier who will always give us that unconditional love. He will never let us down. He always stays true to his word, stays true to his promise, and always pursues us. That's what a heavenly father does. He gives us that unconditional love that even our earthly parents didn't give. And so some of us have parents that we don't have good relationships with. You know, I would say it's appropriate to set boundaries and to to talk to your parents, for those of us who are older too, to to say, Mom and Dad, I I don't like how you're talking to me this way, how you're belittling me, how you're doing this, but I'm still going to honor you. But I think the overall theme here is forgiveness. And I know that's easier said than done, but but Jesus calls us to do it. And the thing that can keep us going, the reality that can keep us going is that we have a Heavenly Father who pursues us despite our sin and our wrongdoing and our mishaps. That's unconditional love. And that's a Heavenly Father that we we praise every week and we talk about. So this commandment is talking to us who are children. All of us in this room have parents. And so this applies to all of us. And even those of us who have lost parents... This rule or this commandment also applies to every single one of us who are under authority. We can still take this advice and use it as people under authority, whether it be our government officials, teachers, elders in the church, elderly, whoever it may be, as the bench coaches, whoever it may be where we're under authority, we are to honor those that are over us. But this commandment is also for those who are in authority. 
And I want to primarily obviously talk about parents today. This commandment is really designed for parents as well. And Tim Keller said it well. He said, the essence of parenting is teaching. He said, the essence of marriage is friendship. I would agree with that. The essence of of parenting is teaching. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, Paul says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, in verse 4, Paul specifically says, do not exasperate your children. In other words, don't have unrealistic expectations on your kids. Don't belittle them. Don't embitter them. Don't make them feel like they're dirt. Treat them with respect because if you don't treat them with respect as a parent, how are they going to treat you with respect as, their, as your child? Ephesians 6 also says to do two things. It says first to train. And to train means to discipline, to hold accountable. It's the shaping of the will through discipline. And the other thing Ephesians 6 says, it says to instruct, to counsel, the shaping of the mind through teaching. So we are to discipline our children to train them and also to instruct them, to teach them and to counsel them, give them wise, give them wisdom, give them wise counsel. Now, when we look at training and instructing, we, we tend to do one, of, one or the other. We, we either over-discipline our kids with no instruction or we under-discipline them and we always reason with them. And it's interesting as I talk with college students and, and young adults, many of them say, I wish my parents gave me more rules because they just let me be free. And as I was studying for this sermon this week, studies showed me that the statistics show that a lot of young adults who commit suicide came from homes where there were no rules at all. And so it's important for us to train our children, to hold them accountable, to discipline them, to give them some rules. Don't overdo it. Because on the other extreme, when I talk to teenagers or when young adults, they say, my parents were just forcing me to do everything. They were always having their hand in everything. They never, they never gave me any freedom. They were so overprotective. And so a lot of times those young adults are still dependent on their parents. And their parents come to me and say, why are they still dependent on me? And then we talk about it and then I talk to their children and they say, well, because I had too many rules. That was some, some of the reason. And so it's so easy for us to over-discipline or under-discipline. But Paul tells us really there's a balance to train and instruct. You've got to discipline and you also have to teach. Now, when we look at the church... We need to remember that the church's responsibility is to help you go and make disciples of all nations. We have this thing plastered on the back wall. You see it every week. We talk about discipling all the time. We are called to equip you to go and make disciples. And ministry starts at the home. And so your children are your disciples. The word disciple means pupil. In other words, it means learner. And so your children are learning from you. And so it's your calling as parents to train and teach your children the biblical truths. Now, it is also our responsibility as well as as pastors and as leaders to help them learn the truths of Scripture. But ultimately, it's our responsibility to help you train your children. Time and time again, I hear of of, of parents who just drop their kids off at youth group and say, I'm I'm not going to be involved in the spiritual life of my kids. I'll help them make sure they do their homework, but I don't have any responsibility with the spiritual side. That's all in the pastor's hands. Ultimately, that's not the case. Like I said earlier, we're called to help, to help you train your children because ministry starts at home. And if you think about it, parents have so many more hours in the day with their children than we do. 
And so that time can be used to help train and instruct your kids in the Word of God and in other areas in their life as well. Now, some of you in the room are saying, well, I don't really know where to start. I don't know how to have a family devotion. I don't know how to teach my kids the Word of God. Well, there are many good resources out there. This past spring, Keith and Rhonda Johnson and Mark and Patty Rudder, they taught a parenting class that was outstanding. And I would encourage you to go on our website. There, there are several audio lessons on there you can listen to. There are also notes that you can review. Outstanding. One thing Mark Rudder said to, to the parents was this. He said, look, it's not a failure if you change it up on how you do family devotions. If you read the Bible in, in pray and go through a book, that's great. If you, if you uh, just memorize scripture with your family and pray, that's great. He said, the importance is that you're doing something because the failure is when you do nothing at all. And so I completely agree with Mark when he said that because when we do nothing at all with our children, then that, that is a failure in the sense that we don't even teach them at all uh, the truths of Scripture. But there's no perfect way to do a family devotion. Uh, there are good resources out there. For example, the Jesus Storybook Bible is a great book. There are other two good, good books I'd recommend. One is called Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp, and the other is Visionary Parenting by Rob Reinow. These books are outstanding. There are many other good books out there for you. Uh, if you have questions on how to lead a family devotion, please talk to us on staff. Talk to Linda Wheatley back there, our children's ministry director. Matt Ryman has started a parenting mentoring for young parents like myself to be paired up with older parents who've been there, done that, to help us know how to do this, how to do this parenting thing because there's so many questions that even Stephanie and I have. So if you have questions on how to train and instruct your kids, please let us know. We're here to help you for that or with that. But ultimately, as you see here, this commandment is not just for children. It's also for us who are parents. It's for us who are in authority. Now, what else does this command say? The command says, first, honor your father and mother. But the second thing it says is he he gives you a promise. God says, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, this promise has had special meaning to the Israelites because they were enslaved in Egypt And this is right after they left Egypt. They escaped Egypt, and they were on their way to the promised land. So God is saying, if you honor your father and mother, you'll live in a peaceful land, prosperity. You'll have peace with one another in the land of Canaan, the promised land. So it had a special uh, uh, symbolism to, to the Israelites. But the other thing I would say here is to live long in the land also means that things will go well with you. What I mean by that is if we don't follow our parents' instructions or we don't submit to our authority when we should, we are in danger and things, bad things could happen. But if we're under the authority of our parents in a positive way, good things could happen. Now, this doesn't mean that everything's going to be hunky-dory. This doesn't mean that you're no longer going to suffer and you're no longer going to go through any kind of pain because... Being a disciple of Jesus, being a follower of Jesus, Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. That means this could be a hard life for us. But what it does mean is that God is with us. Uh, John Frame says that the key to this promise is that fellowship with God is the essence of true prosperity. In other words, to live long in the land, it it essentially means that God is with us. And And when we honor our parents, we're also honoring God. And that is by far the the best thing that that could happen to us. If we're out of the will of God or if we're we're not believers of of God, then bad things happen. But if we have God in us and with us, 
He helps us through the day. He helps us learn from our mistakes. He gives us the Holy Spirit to help us move forward in our faith. And so that's essentially what this promise is all about. It's also designed not for an individual command, but it's for a community. It's for a community of believers to honor one another, to treat one another with respect. I love the Bible because it it gives us so many principles on how we are to live our lives. For example, in 1 Timothy 5, it tells us to take care of our parents when they're old. It also tells us in Proverbs to take care of our future generations, of our kids and grandkids. And so really it covers both ends, doesn't it, of the spectrum. I just love how, how Scripture gives us so much wisdom on how we are to live our lives. But the reality here is that if we don't honor our authority, our parents, then who will we honor? Augustine said it well. He said, if anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? And he's right. It all starts in the home. Ministry starts in the home. And so if we teach our our children, if we honor them, if we respect them, they'll in turn respect us as well. But once again, as I said earlier, we all have fallen short. So what do we do when we, when we look at this command? Do we beat ourselves up and leave here with our head hanging low? Absolutely not. We don't do that because we have a Savior who did it perfectly. He obeyed this command perfectly. And if you look in Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 41, there's a story of how Jesus was a young boy. He was 12 years old. And he and his parents were going to Jerusalem. And went every year during this, this feast, this time of the feast. And his parents were in a large group. It was a caravan of some type. And they end up going home to Nazareth. And Jesus stayed back. Why did Jesus stay back? He stayed back because he wanted to go to the temple to be with his heavenly father and worship him. It's also interesting because he's talking with adults, adult priests. He's asking them questions. He's listening to them. He's learning from them. But he's also teaching them, ultimately teaching them. And so it's amazing what Jesus is doing. But what's happening here is they have left. They've already gone for an entire day without knowing Jesus was with them. And all of a sudden they realize, where is our son? And so they panic. And for three days, it says, they're searching for their 12-year-old boy. Where is Jesus? Well, they go back to the temple and they find him finally after three days. And Mary asks this question to him. She said, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And Jesus responded to his mom by saying, why were you searching for me? Didn't I know I had to be in my father's house? Didn't you know that? And then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And then it said, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So when we look at this passage, it's easy for us to think, well, why did Jesus just run away from his home? That wasn't right. But ultimately, he wasn't dishonoring his parents. He was ultimately honoring his father in heaven first. And he was where he was supposed to be. He even explained that respectfully to his mom when his mom questioned him. And he said, I was supposed to be in my father's house. He's my father, and I'm here to worship him. That's where we're supposed to be. But then I love it when it says, after they talked, Jesus was obedient to his mom. And he went with her to Nazareth. And then it said, his mom treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. So as a young boy, Jesus honored his mother and dad. And then at 33 years old, as an adult man, he was on the cross. And what did he do in John 19? He looks over at at John and he says, John, I want you to take care of my mother in her older years. 
And then it says in John 19, it says, Mary afterwards ended up moving in with John and John took care of her. So even as an adult man in his last days, he was thinking of his mother. He was honoring his mother and he took care of her in her older years. So see, we see two examples in scripture of how Jesus perfectly obeyed this command. Where we have fallen, Jesus has succeeded. But we don't need to look at Jesus just as our example. We need to look at him as our savior, as our solution to any problem that we have. We need to turn to him with faith and trust that he has covered all of our sins by dying on this cross. He is, he has bore, bore all our punishments or all of our sins. And he put it on that cross for us. That's amazing grace. And that's what we preach every single week. So we don't want you to leave here with your head hanging low, but instead your head needs to be held high because we're not living this life alone. And when we do disobey the commandments, yet yeah, God doesn't like it, but ultimately he loves his son. <laughs> and so, and so all of our sins have been covered by what his son has done. But not only that, the Holy Spirit is with us to enable us to learn from our mistakes and to move forward and persevere in our faith. So as we approach the Ten Commandments, remember, it's not up to us, it's up to Jesus. And we must learn from our mistakes and rely on the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this commandment. There is so much to cover in just so little time. And we thank you for the fact that uh, you have given us the Ten Commandments to help us to be conscious of our sin so that it will in turn lead us to the Savior. We thank you, Jesus, that you followed this law perfectly, that you obeyed your mother when you were 12 and that you obeyed her even when, or you honored her even when you were on your deathbed. Uh, You took care of her even in the latter years. And so we praise you for that perfect example. We also praise you that what you have done on the cross gives us hope to live each day. It helps us realize that where we do fail, you've succeeded. And uh, it's not all up to us, um, but we really need to rely on you, you, Holy Spirit, to help us move forward in our faith and learn from our mistakes. But I pray that all of us here will will forgive our parents. Some of our parents are just hard to deal with. And uh, I pray that we won't talk negative about them, but instead that we'll forgive them and treat them with respect and dignity and treat them and give them of high, high esteem and value because they are dignified images of you. And so we thank you for our parents. We thank you for those that you have put in authority and may we humbly respect them. In Jesus' name, amen. We at University Presbyterian Church thank you for listening to this message. Our mission is to help people know God, grow together, and serve others. To learn more about the church or how to have a vital relationship with God, visit our website at www.upc-orlando.com or call our offices at 407-384-3300.